we can at least lay claim to most insane first half. Do you ever remember anything like it? Well, it's a game of two halves, isn't it? No, I don't, actually. I, I can't remember anything quite like it. I'm not sure it was entertainment. It, it was quite painful to watch in its utter utter stupidity especially the tactics united employed in that first 45 sorted it out in the second which was useful you could say but uh, yeah just crazy a crazy game united absolutely all over the place i mean ferguson tried to laugh it off i suppose he could only do that you know it's a bit of gallows humor it, it really should have gone terribly terribly wrong but uh, fortunately reading are rubbish as well and we managed to pull that one out of the bag Yeah, absolutely. So, as is the way of things lately, I missed this game because a friend of mine's not been very well, so I've I've had to help him a few times. So, I saw the Reading goal and thought, oh, that'll upset United, we'll get straight back into it. And just as I was leaving the house, the last thing that I saw was uh, my Twitter feed exploding that Anderson had just scored. And then by the time I uh, tuned into the radio, about five minutes later, it said, United, of course, chasing this game now, 3-2 down. And I was like, what? What? What has happened? And the craziness didn't stop there as we first got back into it and then RVP'd our way back into the lead. What happened? Why did it happen? Explain this to me as if I was an alien who didn't understand football, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you get the tomato sauce and you have a pepper pot and a salt pot, <laughs> the tomato sauce can't be in front of the pepper pot. And if the, if the tomato sauce and pepper pot just stand there, then the salt... There would be very much like United's defence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, United were about as animate as, as those objects, uh, especially when defending set pieces, which uh, cause all sorts of problems. And in fact, any delivery from wide areas caused United all sorts of problems. Part, part of it was uh, of... United's own doing I mean a significant part of it in that you know, Ferguson deployed his 4-3-3 system with three very very narrow midfielders and three very narrow forwards it's really not a system that had been deployed this season at all I mean you know there have been lots of flavours of tactical systems this season depending on how much Christmas cheer Ferguson has had before the game I can only presume and this one was by far the most bizarre and it left Raphael and, and Ever exposed I mean it was so obvious that about five minutes into the game I tweeted Reading have got a two on one here Ever was completely exposed what's going on it was just really really basic stuff but it kept happening and, and so Reading just pushed the ball out wide left right didn't really matter and, and put a lot of pressure on United and then at the same time Nicky Shuri's obviously got a fine fine delivery from set pieces and and managed to cause all sorts of problems with corners as well so the the question for me was why did United set up that way because it's not a system we played very often and if you look at Reading they are decent in wide areas and if we know, knew so much about Nicky Shuri's delivery as Ferguson seemed to intimate afterwards uh, and that uh, height was an issue why didn't we start that way in the first place rather than closing the door a long time after the horse had bolted uh, about 30 minutes or so into the game I mean why, why do you think we didn't know that Nicky Shuri had put great uh, balls into the box like that and Ferguson's tactical thinking was based on his rotation of squad and players and the fact that there were no wingers available. I don't know why they played with a very narrow three in midfield and three up front like that. It, re- it really wasn't uh, the diamond that we'd seen against Newcastle and others in recent times. It was a, a variation on that. Allied to that, there were some basic errors as well. I mean, Johnny Evans being out-jumped for one of the goals. Uh, two central defenders were very static indeed. Uh, Anderson, through midfield, ran lots. Scored a decent goal, you know, beat the keeper at near post. You might be disappointed pointed view of the keeper with that uh, but didn't offer anything defensively at all so United were completely exposed actually the 
two players I blame most for the defensive problems were, were Rooney and Young, who were the two wide forwards. And, and they did zero, I mean zero, tracking back at all in the first 45. All of a sudden, after half-time, they were, which tells me that Ferguson sorted the problem at half-time. It really was nothing to do with Raphael and the lack of height, which was the excuse given, and much more to do with players not understanding their role in a brand new system. So you upset various people by suggesting that Sir Alex Ferguson was likely... Well, I think basically people very much misunderstood what you were saying. At the point at which Raphael got taken off, you expressed a frustration at the likelihood that this would now mean that Raphael was perhaps likely to sit out a few games because Ferguson tends to punish him uh, more harshly than other players apart from he does doesn't he you know apart from David De Gea of course yeah yeah that's what I was going to say because also on the subject of Reading set piece taking I thought you know we didn't play the goalkeeper who's a bit vulnerable to crosses we played Lindegaard for his great solidity in catching balls plonked into the box I don't know yeah, I, I felt like Lindegaard having just seen the goals really Lindegaard didn't look to be having a brilliant game he didn't have a brilliant game at all he looked very uncertain interesting because Ferguson had been quite bullish beforehand about Lindegaard saying that uh, he's done nothing wrong and therefore deserves to stay in the team which is completely different message altogether isn't it from the beginning of the season when he said he was playing to rotate his keepers I have to say, I'm of the opinion now, and this isn't Ferguson bashing, it's it's just based on the evidence I've seen. He has no idea what goalkeeper he wants to play, so he's going from week to week and just deciding. This isn't about some kind of long-term strategy to in- integrate the players. Uh, Lindegaard's been with us for two years now, and, and David De Gea for a year and a half. If he, if he hasn't worked it out by now, I don't think he's ever going to, so he's going from week to week. We are recording this before the Cluj game, De Gea will play against Cluj. If he plays well, he'll probably play against City, because Lindegaard had a shocker against Reading. Yeah, obviously, whenever I put the shout out for questions, we have questions about the goalkeeper because it's just this great big question hanging over United. But I think should we have a week off giving it intensive discussion because <laughs> it keeps happening and it's not going to stop. Raphael, the substitution made a lot of sense because as you, as you say, it wasn't really necessarily causing the problem, but he was on a yellow card and he was starting to look a bit flustered around the edges. Ah, oh, but uh, I'm sorry, I heard this one too as well. What a load of nonsense. Paul Scholes has spent 20 years at United being on a yellow card. One stare at the player the wrong way uh, from a red card, you know? Uh, look, 28 minutes into a game, you start substituting players because they've got a yellow card. Then you're you're going to be making an awful lot of early changes, you know? In fact, that's just the way football is today. I, he made, uh, Raphael did one stupid thing where he pulled back a player. Well, do you just think it was stupid to substitute him then? No, I think, I think the reason he substituted him is the reason he said he thought he needed some height in the team it wasn't the cause that is a sticking plaster for a big gaping axe wound of a problem at United's <laughs> rear end and fine you know if you if you want to make an excuse for why you screwed up defensively which is what United did in a massive way against Reading then that's okay but it really wasn't the cause of the problem look evidence here Chris Mullins made one header one in 60 minutes of playing he wasn't there to head the bloody ball out you know United actually solved the problem at half time by making sure that Ashley Young and Wayne Rooney doubled up in def- fullback defensive areas where Reading didn't get the pressure in wide areas to put crosses in they didn't get the corners to and the free kicks that they previously got as a result. So solved the cause of the problem. But then why why did he take... Ferguson, who never takes play... As Phil Neville, interestingly enough, was on Match of the Day, having been maybe the last person to be on the receiving end of a half-hour substitution from Fergie. I'm sure that's not actually the case, but, you know, he hardly ever does that. Why would he make such a big, bold thing? Is it just because he sort of likes picking on Raphael or what? 
I think I think it, as I said, it's for the reason he said he thought he needed height in in the side at half an hour when Reading were. But you but what you're saying but what you're saying is he didn't need height in the side though. What he actually needed was to solve the tactical problem, which is what he did at half time. You know, so he got him through to half time. Yes, you're right. It's right, very right, unusual right. for Ferguson to have done that, and I think some of it was just knee jerk. You know, let's get Raphael Raphael off because he looks vulnerable. Everyone looked vulnerable. He got skinned completely, repeatedly, and two of the goals came from that side of the pitch. You know, it's and that's because he, as was Raphael, was completely exposed. It's a fair shout, and it's kind of interesting because you looked at that formation and you thought, oh, well, this is going to potentially be very similar to the West Ham game. You know, that this is that same sort of personnel. The diamond's going to be set up, and it's going to be solid defensively, as we talked about last week. It's funny, last week we talked about Rooney having a, a terrible game, which he did, and then he had a, an excellent game <laughs> against Reading. We talked about Ashley Young not being of United quality, and whilst his first 10 minutes against Reading were pretty good, solid evidence of that, he then was absolutely instrumental in all the goals, although I don't think it undermines the central point. We talked about how Raphael had been possibly the best right back in the Premier League and he had about half an hour before being substituted for for being on the receiving end of an absolute mare. And we talked about how Johnny Evans was becoming kind of mistake-free, solid centre-back that we never thought that he would be. And he, uh, he really did gift Reading their first goal or big part in it. So it was just vintage, vintage us getting absolutely everything wrong, Ed. Yes, I, I suppose that's the case, yeah. There's very few people in the United side that would take an awful lot of credit from the Reading game. Van Persie, I suppose, in some way. Rooney, no, because he neglected his position in the first half, or or he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. Ashley Young had a positive game attacking, but he did exactly the same thing in the first half, you know. I mean, this is what we criticised Ronaldo for for years. Yeah, I mean, I think you can't really say that Rooney comes out of that game with no credit because having been a kind of real serious scoring duck, he tucked away a penalty, he took and... Yeah, and scored twice. And I didn't half feel nervous when Rooney stepped up to take the penalty because he's missed nearly half of the penalties he's taken in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. But he, he tucked that one away, which was very good timing. And then, um, oh, obviously, a bit of a surprise to see him take it. But still, he's obviously in, still in charge of penalties. And then he took his he took his other goal very nicely as well. I thought. Uh, word for Anderson, who has been really finding some form, and people starting to whisper. Wait a minute, is it really happening after all this time? Is it is he going to actually be? Uh, oh oh, he's injured again. Just as he was finding form again, it's going to start to look promising again. The whispers will go round. Anderson's back. Anderson's back. Oh, he's injured again. Yeah, and ladies and gentlemen, that was an excerpt from Rantcast 2006. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you know, this is it, isn't it? This is the the Anderson cycle continues in full fat effect. Uh, not looking very impressive. Un sort of coming back from injury, slightly unfit. Starts to get his fitness and confidence back. Starts to look really good. Then goes and does a hamstring. Let's not overplay how good he's been in the last few matches. He's start to look okay, you know. He's not suddenly become a world beater, and and uh, we're at loss because uh, Messi's been injured. So he started to look okay. We started to think, hey, you know, maybe he could be a United player. But sadly, no. He'll be out for a couple of months, uh, having done what was it hamstring knack, knee knack, yeah. fat knack, one of the two. No, he's in excellent shape. Did you not see those abs? I will not have that. I'm not a random Anderson defender, but, you know, the the boy's in shape at the moment, so, you know. That's not an ab, that's an extended love handle. 
Frontwoods love handle. Or muffin toppers, other people might call it. He's been extremely uh, effective a few times, Anderson, and he was, you know, it was good to see him get on the score sheet in this game. And I don't know, I think he's had a really good few games and made a big difference. And, and all right, whether or not, I'm not saying he's messy, but the a decent central midfielder with some energy is just the thing that United need more than anything else, you know, so. Has he completed at 90 minutes this season, out of curiosity? Because I, I'm not sure he has. And if he has, it was probably against Fenerbahce or something. I don't even know if he played. I don't, know. I don't remember one game to the next for United. It was all blurred into a weird mixture of terrible defending, exciting forward play, random weird dull one nils in the middle of it all. I just, I just, as I, as I said last week, I don't understand this season. And four three against Reading at the end of the first half did not make any more sense of the season. One thing's for sure, we, we, as I said earlier, because of various different circumstances we're not able to do a rank cast record later in the week which means we don't get to cover the Cluj game which is a shame because clearly that's the the fixture of the season so far the final dead rubber in Europe Um, hopefully we'll see some of the kids but you'll maybe have seen this so I guess it's time to look forward to that game which uh, I don't know about you Ed but I'm I'm pretty worried about it we had uh, a question from at Isaac Ritchie saying honest opinion what do you expect from the derby I expect Ferguson to react to the Reading game by going a bit negative, to be honest. I, I think he kind of has to in many ways. I think United will try and pack midfield. It will be very narrow again. I, I think the two wide players in forward areas will be more like wide players than forwards. Uh, and I think United will try and stifle City in midfield. You know, the initiative will be with City as a result. But it's probably the sensible thing to do. If we go and attack at the Etihad, which you kind of hope United would do because it's United and we're playing City, then just looking at our back four and and the cover in front of the back four, there's no hope of keeping a clean sheet at all. None. That means we have to at least score at the Etihad in order to get a draw if if we play open in any way. So there's a disadvantage there to start with. It's not going to be as bad as it was last season because that was completely demoralising, that the selection. It's almost as if we felt we'd lost half an hour before the game had started. There was so much inevitability about the way the game would pan out and the pattern of the game and the result uh, that it was pretty depressing. This time, I'm not sure that's the case. I mean, City is still very strong at home, aren't they? But there's definitely a way United can go and win this game. City are struggling to convert uh, games into victories, uh, especially away from home. You know, OK, not at the Etihad, but it's not as if it looks like they've gone forward. In fact, it looks like very much like they've gone backwards. Uh, yeah, I mean, City City in all sorts of sort of odd sort of trouble. I mean, the fact that we're top of the league is, is indicative of the fact that City have got a big problem since we've already lost three games this season. Uh, we're talking of packing the midfield, a brilliant question from Connor at Red Heart United saying, do you think Yaya Torre will be able to handle the raw power of Giggsy and Scalzi on Sunday? Who is he going to pack the midfield with? I would expect Scholes to play. I think he'll he'll want that experience in control. There's a chance Giggs will play, for sure, because of that experience again. Although... That might uh, be down to various injuries and do we expect Nani and Antonio Valencia to still be out or not? And uh, again, this is ahead of the Cluj game, so they may well have played. So that that might be moot, that question. But uh, yeah, he could play. I mean, he has tended to play in, in derby games simply because of that experience. I'm surprised Fergie hasn't called up QPR and asked for a loan for Park Ji Sung, though. Yeah, we're going to make this joke before every big game of the season, just so you know that, listeners. 
the the idea of him playing gigs is just it's frightening to be honest because I don't think gigs is there is going to be able to do the job that Sir Alex thinks he's able to do for some reason I don't know but you know I always assume that Sir Alex knows better than me what Ryan Giggs can do or not it's just looking at it from the outside in the idea of Giggsy starting is sort of terrifying which is very sad to, to talk about it like this but you know it's just the reality of today I mean what's he going to do all over the pitch first of all you, th- you reckon that De Gea is going to be in goal depends on the clues game to be honest then do you, why does it depend what depends on the clues game you mean if De Gea plays and drops an absolute rick or something then he will play Lindegaard well see I, I think assuming that doesn't happen you've got to think that he'd favour the kind of elaborate shot stopping ability of De Gea versus the kind of slightly increased box control of, of Lindegaard especially with distribution and stuff being such a factor yeah, I guess so I mean it's hard to make that argument about Lindegaard after his performance against Reading to be honest I mean yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To be fair, in the context of Lindegaard's career with United, he's not looked that vulnerable uh, in wide areas normally. That's not his mm. problem. His normal problem is no. he does make mistakes and uh, he doesn't pull out the saves that De Gea can because he's just not as good as keeper. You know, my opinion and all of that. He's still a very good goalkeeper. You know, he still yeah. he still can pull out a heck sure. of a save, but he's not in that kind of magician class that De Gea fits into sometimes. Yeah, I mean, some of, there are some places up for grabs, right? So, so the goalkeeping question... Are we assuming that the back four is the back four as it was against Reading? Maybe very similar, yeah. Uh, again, the question of Raphael and whether Ferguson uh, is feeling generous or not. I mean, uh, he came out after the game straight away and it, it was prompted by a rather naughty question from the ESPN reporter, I thought, about uh, about Raphael and his reaction to being taken out of the game. So, And, and Ferguson supporting him and said he's been one of United's best players this season, which is absolutely true, you know, and we praised him last week, didn't we? So the logical choice would be to go with Raphael again at City. They do have some power but you know it's not their it's not the game per se is it to get into wide areas and and knock long balls into the box or anything like that so logically Raphael should play Uh, we'll see about that one Evans has not been in great form you know I'd I'd be tempted to start Smalling simply because he seems to be playing better than Evans but uh, you know Evans is the man with seniority he expects Fernand and Evera to play for sure so yeah no to answer your question Skulls and Carrick probably pick themselves Rooney and Van Percy certainly do and then you have two others and, and that kind of depends on who's fit. So Valencia and Arnie fit, you know, looks like not. Uh, they're dragging on a bit. Ashley Young had a decent game against Reading, so you'd expect him to play. But that leaves United with some imbalance. So does Rooney play wide again? Uh, which didn't work very well against Reading, or did he play at the point of the diamond, in which case Ashley Young shouldn't play and Tom Cleverley should? Mm, I think and, that, and that... those are the questions, I think, for the, the derby. I, th- I think it's going to be the latter, that's what I think. I think he's going to... I think he's... The new playing Park Ji-sung is playing the diamond, and you, you need to have Rooney at the tip of that diamond for it to be its most effective. I, I, I think that's what's going to happen. But, you know, goodness only knows. City, not in the best of form some of their real superstar players not really hitting the great heights although perfectly efficient at home and a team of mercenaries assembled with some absolutely devastating attacking talent I mean Aguero Balotelli Tevez capable of ripping any team apart really if it all works for City and and we were obviously on the receiving end of something 
apparently, I don't have any strong memory of this, but there's this thing, this rumour going around that last season some bad thing happened connected to Manchester City. Well, I don't know. I can only remember a cup game where we won. That was great, that cup game. I remember that when Scaldi came back. Ah, uh, yes. Only, only good memories of us against Man City last season. It looks like David Silva will be out for City, which is a, a blow to them and, and good for United. Although he's blown hot and cold. I mean, I think he's a, he's a really great player. I don't think he's helped uh, by being shifted around and, and Manchester City screwing around with the tactics. Roberto Mancini is making a really good case every week for Jose Mourinho to take over in the summer, isn't he? Oh, Ed, I can't believe you mentioned Mourinho. Inundated with questions again about the, the manager shift. Well, of course, because Ferguson, uh, you know, seemed to come out and support Mourinho for the United job this week, didn't he? Yeah, and um, we had a good question from Niles Bearded Genius saying, could Jurgen Kloppity clip his way to Old Trafford as Fergie's successor? Potentially so. If you were picking a man who is succeeding at the moment, he'd be right up there, wouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right up there with Paul Le Guin in 2005 or whenever it was. Underrated manager, underrated. Let me tell you, his time may still come. In my football manager save in 2020, he's just taken over from the QPR job, uh, taken over from Ledley King as QPR manager Paul Le Guin. So his stock is rising in world football, apparently. Hey, look, the people of Oman are grateful to Paul Le Guin, let me tell you now. Jose to City, I don't know, I don't know. Fergie's making kissy faces at him, isn't he? So, I don't know, I I just don't quite see Jose at City. There could be some interesting managerial moves in the summer. I, 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 we had this question before. I don't, I don't see Ferguson going this summer. But a man who's got his own stand and his own statue—that, that sounds like it's not exactly a please stay on, Fergie, from the directors, <laughs> is it? it? You know, if you were being a cynic, you might say, you know, that retirement is very comfortable. What next? They're going to buy him an island somewhere, you know. Right, Fergie, last we gave you the stand, didn't seem to get a hint, though we've gone with the statue, we've got all your old mates to come, we kept Kino away, put him locked up somewhere so he couldn't attack you in the middle of your statue unveiling. Now, what we're giving you at the end of the season present is this lovely pair of slippers. You know what? Maybe dementia does explain some things, because it's the only reason I can think of why Ferguson hasn't sorted out our bloody midfield. (laughs) Very disrespectful to the great man, Ed. Very disrespectful to the great man. I, I jest, of course. Of course. I don't know. The, the, the Mourinho thing. The one thing I don't quite get is the assumption that it should either be Mourinho or Guardiola because as far as I can work out, Guardiola took the most talented group of players ever to emerge from a youth setup and made them into a really good team. Pretty sure that's not like the greatest achievement in football management ever. I mean, you know, it seems like a, a nice chap and everything and I'm sure he's a, an excellent football manager. And he- See, the thing is, this, this question comes up loads what is the greatest achievement I think creating a winning really good attacking fluid side is one of the greatest achievements you can do because it happens so rarely yeah. it happens so rarely and yes there's great fortune there that you know the Le Masia system came through with so many great players there's also I think some very smart management in that a lot of those the younger players Guardiola dragged through from the, the youth team and he put them into the team ahead of the players that, that Barcelona bought in the market and they spent a lot of money as well to, to achieve that success so you know I I, th- I think he did achieve an awful lot I have to say I can't I just can't see it can you can, I can't see Guardiola at Old Trafford much as it might be attractive in terms of his playing style and commitment to youth and 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 all and everything he's won and all of that and the profile of the man and the fact that he just seems like a nice man and he's he's very he's got charisma i'd be i'd be shocked i can't see i think he'll go elsewhere i think he'll find a project and i think we know what we mean by a project
<laughs> um, it's interesting actually because um, in, like, the knock against Mourinho is always that he doesn't stay at teams for very long I, saw, I can't remember who it was but I saw somebody say something really interesting about that which is like okay he doesn't stay at teams that long but he was at Chelsea didn't exactly leave of his own accord at Chelsea uh, Inter is a complete madhouse as is Madrid maybe this is this is the, the kind of very red tinted spectacles view of the world but it's like yeah maybe he's going off getting sowing all his wild, <laughs> wild oats with the other teams learning his trade and all that sort of thing knowing that what he was eventually going to do was uh, take over from Sir Alex and be at Man United for 25 years you know you never know yeah maybe well it'd be interesting but uh, that, that's for another day but um, it, is, it is interesting that, that Ferguson did kind of you know make the doughy eyes at Jose I mean, they're, they're bestie mates as well and all of that although people say that uh, Ferguson and Guardiola are great friends too absolutely well you know that's it's, it's that isn't it it's just Fergie he, uh, he gets on with with the greats doesn't he and Sam Allardyce all right so what do you make of where City are at overall I think they've regressed. I think they've regressed. I think uh, a lot of it is down to Mancini's tactical thinking with City, and he, he doesn't seem to be able to decide whether they're playing a three or a four at the back. It, he's he hasn't quite got the forward shape in the way that he might have wanted. Uh, you know, it's not as if he has had a lack of investment over the years. They've they've got some issues at the back in that he hasn't quite decided who he wants to play at the back either. Though Nastasic looks like a far far better player than Savage, doesn't he? So that's definitely an upgrade there. Although Lescott appears to be out of the side at the moment and in midfield I don't think Yaya Torre has been quite as good as he was last season no. you know, honestly and he was superb last season I think he's a notch down from that doesn't mean they can't uh, achieve everything that uh, Blue Hearts desire this season and of course they can because it's really only half time in the campaign if that they've they've screwed up in Europe which means they'll probably have a much easier run of things domestically towards the back end of the season that will be an advantage uh, you know uh, ahead of their game completing in Dortmund it looks like they probably won't be in the Europa League even so they won't even have that to worry about on Thursday night and it's really unfortunate we could really have done with them sneaking into the Europa League football detention but sadly they're going to be free of football detention too naughty even for detention Ahead of the biggest away trip of the season, or arguably at least joint biggest away trip of the season, two questions about away games, one from at Brandon Ulrich 2 and one from at Liz Worsley saying, Brandon asking what's the away ground you've most watched, enjoyed watching United at, and uh, Liz asking if there's any away game throughout United's history that you could have attended uh, as a supporter, what would it be? Well, I'd love to have attended one of those classics in the in the heyday of European football. You know, when United went to the Bernabeu in, in the mid '60s and and all that kind of stuff. That would have been great fun. Yeah. Uh, one of my favourite occasions. Well, there's two really away fans, and they both hark back to the early '90s. Uh, one was at Selhurst Park, where I'm not sure I saw any Wimbledon fans in the ground, <laughs> and it was absolutely rammed with Reds, which is always great fun. And uh, and the other one is when I I decided with a bunch of mates to go to United vs Notts County and in uh, again in the fairly early 90s I suspect and we just kind of decided on a whim because it was cash on the gate again dating me uh, and we got there quite early before the game thinking that uh, we'd just you know stroll in or whatever and, and the queue stretched from county to the city ground and beyond uh, but anyway so we got ourselves some beers and drank our way to the turnstiles and, and uh, got into the ground and that was great fun too so were you in the when the Notts County end for that one or were you in the United well, end? Well there was no delineation <laughs> because it was it was all red, you know, pay at the gate, what do you expect? <laughs> I like it. Uh, 
at Selhurst Park when when there's all United fans everywhere was there just no sort of pretense of there's no keeping quiet in the home end or anything like that it was all oh no and I've, I've done that loads of times as well keeping quiet in the home end but no no, no absolutely no pretense at all everyone had a red chair on yeah excellent and, and half of them were on the pitch as well I, I think my, my answer for away games other than I know it's, it's a complete cliche but obviously if there's any United game in history that I could have gone to it would have been the 99 Champions League final it doesn't really count as an away game it's a neutral ground or whatever but that's the, the, and, and, and what more kind of mainstream commercial it's like picking I don't know the Beatles as your favourite band of all time but they, they are my favourite band of all time I can't help it I would like to have been at the 99 Cup final the Champions League final but you were telling me yesterday that you love Girls Aloud and they're your favourite band ever <laughs> the sound of the underground at Anton Alfie's been asking this every week and i think he's gonna uh, keep asking it for some time uh, unless we answer his question and since he's making the best videos on the whole internet about manchester united this kid i, I don't know i think he's still at school lives in kazakhstan makes the best football videos i've ever seen in my life bar none made a preview of the united city game based on the al pacino uh, any given sunday monologue absolutely spectacular so i'm gonna answer his question which is name your favorite manchester united chant and sing it and i think you should take this one ed since since i often monopolize singing duties on the show i couldn't possibly do that it would disappoint our fans we'll drink a drink a drink to eric the king the king the king he's the leader of our football team he's the greatest french footballer that the world has ever seen the problem with that chant though is it never works because you actual you need an actual conductor at the front to judge the moment when you end the wheel and then also nobody knows what time signature you're going to sing it in it all gets terribly confusing so but uh, but in an ideal world it would be that that's that's probably my number one because it's just so cheery that and five cantonars and of course the united calypso all good stuff classics one and all absolutely what's what's you don't have to sing it but what's one of your what's one of your favorite chants said ferguson's red and white army ferguson's red and white army <laughs> I, I like, it's the lyrics that are important to me <laughs> I love it. We've had a, a question from at Salil Patak saying, it's my exams, however I love Christmas. Can you wish me luck for my exams? Very best of luck, Salil. Anyone who loves Christmas is okay by me. That that goes back to a at MUFC underscore Facebook post if you're not following them. You're doing Twitter wrong. Oh, it's worth talking about the fact that we've uh, had an FA Cup draw since we last spoke. Indeed we have. Terrible, terrible draw. I mean, look, what do you want in an FA Cup third round? You want to have an away game at somewhere a bit different and probably not too difficult, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, the last few years, we've we've had Liverpool City twice and now West Ham away. I mean, it's not obviously it's not in the, uh, the, the same league of difficulty as the City game, for example. But, you know, it's a ground we've been to. It's not a particularly nice ground. Uh, it's, they're not a very pleasant opponent. It'll be their cup final and all of that so it's a tough away fixture because Ferguson will make some changes and and us a bit disappointed to be honest okay uh, this is very important email that's coming from my friend Joe Foley at Joe Diego 24 on Twitter 
I've looked at the last 17 FA Cup third round draws we've been in, starting from the 95-96 season, which is the first season since they reduced the Premier League till twenty to 20. There's been 18 third round draws since then, but of course we famously missed one in 99-00. So the third round consists of 20 Premiership teams, 24 Championships teams, plus 20 survivors from below the Championship. So the percentage chances we have of drawing a prem- fellow Premier League team is 30.2%, Championship 38.1%, and League One or below 31.7%. This means that in the last 17 draws we should have averaged five all premier league ties six to seven matches versus championship sides and five to six matches against teams from league one or below in fact we've had four matches from teams below the championship exeter 05 burton 06 southampton 09 and leeds 10 just three matches against championship opposition which again should be six or seven sheffield united in 96 fulham in 01 and portsmouth in 03 which leaves a massive 10 games against premier league opposition a full 100 percent over the probable norm of five conspiracy why aren't the galuminati doing something about this Spurs 97, Chelsea 98, Middlesbrough 99, Villa 02, Villa 04, Villa 07, Villa 08, Liverpool 11, Man City 12 and West Ham 13. Despite these continually tough draws, the irony is we've exited the third round stage only once during this period versus League One Leeds. But there's no doubt that the need to put out a stronger team hinders us during the key January period. Incidentally, when we didn't compete in the 99-00 competition, a lucky loser was drawn out from the teams that had been eliminated in the second round. The lucky team was Darlington and they took our place in the draw. Who did they get? Pretty obviously, they were drawn away to Aston Villa. Weird. Something going on there. There is. So, yeah, we, we, we officially run bad at, uh, at third round draws. Do you know, at this rate, we're going to need to have a rant underscore meltdown Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> it's a conspiracy law. Yeah, so, Ed, what's your prediction for the Man City game? Hart says we're going to go to the Etihad and win 6-0. The heart is stupid, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, it's that time of year, you know. I've had a bit of Ferguson special sauce. And no, the head the head says this is a really difficult time. And likelihood is that we won't be able to keep City out. So I'm going to say two on the City. Sorry. No, it's all right. I, I think we might squeeze a draw. That's my most optimistic prediction. One all draw. And also at White Pele 10 would like to say that, Ed, you were overly mean to Eamon Holmes last week and actually she was on the same train as him on the way back and he looks alright, he's in pretty decent shape surprisingly thin, maybe much like Rooney in the old days when you'd, you'd see him in real life and think, he's surprisingly svelte Yes, well, I guess it was just the wide-angle perspective. That must have been what it was. Now that the statue's bedding in for a week or so, you you comfortable with it? You happy to see that every time you go to Old Trafford? Yeah, I guess so, you know. I'll pay the pilgrimage once every other week, lay flowers and bow down, or, <laughs> or not. Absolutely, you're just going to go there and start shouting stuff about Park Ji-sung at the statue, aren't you, in case it gets through? Yeah. Right, so uh, I predict a one all, you predict a two one. And because of the festive season and um, Ed's packed work schedule, the next rank cast is not going to be when it should be. So it's not coming out on it should normally come out on Friday the fourteenth of December, but it's not gonna come out until Sunday the sixteenth of December. So it's probably about ten days after after this one drops. So ten days without rank cast, I'm not sure what you're all gonna do, but you can all go back and listen to back episodes. I recommend the season before last when we won loads of stuff it was great we got to the champions league final imagine that I- imagine I'd, i've almost forgotten yes go check out the old ones or or, or take in christmas and get drunk one of the two no as a no don't do that uh, don't do that but have a good time in other ways which is also possible yes kids don't do drugs become <laughs> celebrity podcasters like us and <laughs>
All right, well, thank you for your company. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can uh, contribute to the running costs of the Rantcast at unitedrant.co.uk slash donate. Follow Ed at United Rant. Follow me at UTD Rantcast. One of us much more likely to block you for stepping out of line than the other one. Yeah, you're a bit harsh with that. I've got to say, Paul, you need to you know, buck your ideas up. We'll be losing listeners if you do that, you know unitedrun.co.uk for all your Manchester United related needs apart from the ones that don't get met there which you can find help with elsewhere on the internet. Very good and, and we'll see you in a week and a half's time.